that as a blessing to hear those hymns go on. And Jesus never changes, of course. Out of, uh... All right, so let's continue with our, our study in the book of Philippians. If you could stand, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, it's interesting, today we're going to talk about real Christian fellowship. I tell you, the book of Philippians is one of the most encouraging books that you've seen in the Bible about us living the Christian life. It is a wonderful book. If you look at the book of, I believe, in the Old Testament, is the book of, um, what's his name? Help me here, because I just can't remember the name right now. Um, no, no, we're not there yet. Uh, it will come. It will come. And not, not really... Don't really matter right now, but it just came to mind. I can't, can't remember his name, but anyway. Uh, Philippians chapter um, 2, and we're going to look at verse 1 to verse 4. <clears throat> look what it says there in Philippians chapter 2. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man on the things of others. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy. And for those passages, Lord, it tells us how we, as your children, are to behave in the house of the Lord. I just pray, Father, help us tonight that we would learn, Lord, how it is to have real Christian fellowship. I just pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, tonight we're looking at real Christian fellowship. This is a series that I'm going on. It's called Press On Series. And we look into the book of Philippians. I tell you what... <clears throat> Philippians is a very encouraging book, it is to me, I believe it could be to you, but it's a very encouraging book to, to go through, because what we see right here, okay, alright, we see right here a man in prison that he thinks, or in his own mind, that is a chance that he might go free, and on the other hand, he knows that he might end up dying, and that's what happened here, you end up losing his life. But he was very optimistic, and he says that he was okay. Whatever happened, happened. I mean, the Lord's hand, and it's okay. He said, I learned these things. But in the same time, he's, he's not complaining about his situation, like most of us do, <laughs> you know, as a human behavior, you know. Uh, it's not that. He's not complaining about his situation. What he does, he is encouraging the church of Philippi to live and to do those things, which is amazing. You know, he should say, pray for me, look upon me, look at what's going on with me right here. No, he puts this thing behind him, and he's in prison, encouraging people who are not in prison. You got that? And poor guys, they're innocent. You know, for the sake of Christ or the gospel, he is in prison. So, it is an amazing. So, we are continuing our press on series here through the book of Philippians, of course. Well, we've seen uh, that Paul wrote this letter to encourage, like I said, the Philippians in their faith, and to help them understand their role as partners or, or, or as they press on together in the gospel. So the gospel of Christ as the absolute high, was the absolute highest priority for Paul. For Paul, the whole thing was the gospel. All right, That's the way he lived for. 
His, he lived, I mean, before he got saved, he lived to persecute Christians. He wanted to eliminate all of them. He went all over the place. When he got saved, <laughs> kind of a sense of humor, he became a, a soldier, I mean, a tremendous one for the gospel. But people say, oh, he was a super missionary. No, he was a man with great zeal for God. That's what he was, you know, because God can use all of us the same way, you know. But, you know, in, in, but God used him in a tremendous way to write scripture and all that. So, true, let me, <clears throat> looking about Christian fellowship here, let me put it this way. True Christian fellowship is essential to advance the gospel. You get this? For us to move forward as a church and as moving forward, giving the gospel to the world, true Christian fellowship must be, it's actually most important, is essential because we have to be of the same mind. Is the mind of Christ. So, so, I read about a church where one group of people, listen to this, in the, in the church got involved in a dispute with another group of people in the church. All right? I mean, I saw disputes about the carpet and the color of the walls, and they uh, holler at each other because one likes yellow, the other one likes red, one likes blue, one likes purple, and they go to the carpet, one likes this color, that color. You know, it's just silly, but people get into those things. Okay, so the situation got worse and worse to the point where both groups filed public lawsuits against the other group. That's extreme. To remove the other party from the church. <laughs> so this one, uh, of course, got out of sorts of attention in the press. Uh, none of it, of it positive. So the judge refused to hear the case and sent it back to the denomination, which began his own investigation. So when all was said and done, they traced the conflict, listen to this, back to a church supper where one of the church elders had been served the smallest slice of him than the child who was sitting or seated next to him. I thought, wow, this is silliness. So somebody got his ego hurt because he got a less piece of meat than the other one. Is that a case for division? But you'd be surprised what causes divisions in the church because any little thing does. So we have to be of the same mind. Otherwise, here comes Satan and, and just great strive in the whole thing. So, and believe me, I've seen church splits. I've seen all those things. And they're never pretty. They're never pretty. Somebody always gets hurt. So hopefully, most churches never get quite so far off track. But anytime we allow church conflicts to disrupt church fellowship, our gospel witness suffers. Suffers. So true Christian fellowship, I remember when we were First Baptist Church, and, uh, and uh, Gribbett, or uh, Rhode Baptist Temple, had a split because of Calvinism. That was, it came all to us. And there came all kinds of voices, all kinds of things. And it just so like, you see, like, oh, I don't know what's going on there. But I know, when we got there, it was not pretty. It was not pretty at all. It was a sad scene to see. Uh, it is discouraging. It, is, it breaks your heart to see those things. So, last time we saw Paul focus on the church standing strong in the face of persecution here, that, that Satan attacking from without, but if position from without does not work, listen to this, Satan usually attacks from without. But if he doesn't get successful attacking the church from without, guess what he does? He attacks from within. And he causes divisions in the church. And we have to be always, always on guard. And that is why Paul urges the Philippians here to practice true Christian fellowship. 
So, Paul is concerned that the Philippians might allow any divisions to disrupt their unity and keep them from advancing the gospel in their community. So, living word of the gospel of Christ means not only standing strong against the opposition, but standing united with each other. So unity is not only important as a sign against the opposition, but also for the proper function of the body of Christ. Let me put it this way. The human body, right, function for the sake of the body. When a, a part of your body functions differently, you hurt. And you got to fix it. That's why we go to the doctor. Doctor, my toe is going right and I'm walking left. Uh, what's wrong with my toe? Well, let's look what's wrong with your toe. Might be dislocated. Might be broken. Who knows? You know, I remember when I fell. Uh, I was in Portugal. And I fell. I was like to try to be Tarzan, you know, going up those hills. And we always figured that, uh, uh, you know, we would fall in the water. But that day I didn't fall in the water. I fell in the rocks. And I don't know how I survived. But I know when I get up, uh, my this one right here was not obeying the rest of the hand. It was done here. And I was like, uh, I was a kid. like, what is this? And I began to wiggle and boom, it went to place. I literally dislocated the thing. I didn't know it was dislocated. I just, I was scared. I was a kid. But today, looking back, I don't even know how I survived that thing. But I know, like, this is what Satan does. So, we, <coughs> I'm sorry. So, unity is not only important as a sign, like I said, uh, uh, against the opposition, but also for the proper function of the church. So tonight, we will look at three principles of true fellow, Christian fellowship that Paul shares in these verses. And number one is this, Christian fellowship is motivated by, by God's love for us, should be. Christian fellowship is, is uh, united around the gospel, and Christian fellowship is seen in a way we serve each other. And that's these three points we're going to develop tonight, okay? So, <clears throat> so like I lo let's look at this. Number one, real Christian fellowship is motivated by God's love. We looked this morning on this, but we're going to look at day verse 1. We can see this. So, real Christian fellowship, what is it about? Look at verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, <clears throat> if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of and mercy, so... True Christian fellowship is motivated by God's love for us in Christ. So we need to know that God loves us, first of all. You know, why am I going to church? Why am I serving this? Why am I going on visitation? Why am I going to hang on people's doors? Why I do this? Why I do that? You know why I do this? Because God loves me, and as gratitude of my love, I want to do it. Amen. So it got to be motivated by love. We looked this morning how much God loves us, but it's got to, how I contribute back. I, Lord, I'm, not, I'm, I'm frail, I'm weak, I'm not that strong, but Lord, I want to contribute. So, there, there is an argument that is based on Christian experience. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You will notice that there are four ifs, four ifs in this verse that we will be looking at all four of them in a moment, but I want you to understand that Paul is not talking about these four ifs is a, as just possibilities for us as Christians, but rather certainties and realities. So, <clears throat> he's using, I'm sorry, <clears throat> uh, he's using if by a, a way of an argument. But Paul has no doubt that these, uh, these things are true. So, you could almost translate them in which, <clears throat> with the word sense uh, or as surely as. 
So, since you have encourage, encouragement from being united with Christ, and surely as you, com- you have comfort from His love, and so on. So, uh, the four realities Paul raises in this verse, verse 1 here. here uh, <coughs> he, um, I'm sorry. We, uh, we are experienced by all Christians, and they form the basics of true Christian fellowship. Now let's, let's look here, verse 1. Let's go back to verse 1 and see what verse 1 tells us. Look what it says. If there be, I'm sorry, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, that's the first if. Look at the second if. If any comfort of love, that's the second if. If any fellowship of the gospel, of the, um, of the fellowship of the spirit, that's the third if. And look at the fourth. If any bows and mercy. See what, the way Paul repeats the word if, if, if four times in here. It is interesting. To, sometimes you read the Bible, you miss these whole things. But how important it is to see those little things right here. Okay? So, let me get to my point here. So, let's look at these four ifs. Letter A, the if, encouragement in Jesus. Look what it says. If, therefore, be any consolation in Christ. So, so first Paul says, if you have any encouragement of being united with Christ, as Christians, do you have any encouragement for being united with Christ? Any at all? We should have been encouraged because we are Christians, because we are saved, because I can serve my Savior. Right. I don't I, Listen, since I've been saved, I've been nothing but encouraged, encouraged by serving the Lord. Amen. Listen, the other man, when I travel, I love singing the songs of Zion. I look for churches that sing songs like we sing, because I love these songs. They're never old. And then you do it with gratitude of heart. You see people singing out there, and it, it praises you, your heart. You hear the preacher preaches, and you go home rejoicing. So I don't know. Some people say, oh, you know, I need a break. I need this. Well, sometimes we need a little vacation. It's true. I take it too. But we got to be encouraged in the Lord. So it is my encouragement to you that Jesus took, I mean, it is any encouragement to you that Jesus took your sin and put on himself and clothed you with his righteousness. We talked about this this morning. Is it any encouragement to you that Jesus has promised never to leave you and forsake you? Is it any encouragement to you that Jesus prays for you from heaven, interceding for you at the right hand of God the Father? We, I can give you verses on this. So, is any encouragement to you that Jesus knows the sheep and gives them eternal life, and they should never perish, and no one can snatch them out of your hands? We talk about this one, Gen, John chapter 10, verse 27 to 28. So, is any encouragement... To you, that since you have been united with Christ in His death, you will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. Uh, John, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 5. So, of course it is. Paul knows that. And Paul is trying to encourage the, the, the Philippian church to experience that. Said, if, he says, let it be. The second if. It says, if comfort from Jesus is love. Look what it says. If there be any comfort of love. Paul goes on, if you have any here, but I believe Paul is, is thinking uh, more about the terms of God the Father here. So, Paul often speaks of the trin- Triterian uh, uh, terms moving from Christ to God to the Holy Spirit many times in the speaking. Actually, let me give you some examples of that. Actually, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. You see what Paul does here. He plays on words here on this verse. And if we don't be careful, we don't, we don't catch it. But look, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I already have the verse our way on you, all right? But look what it says there. Are you guys there? Okay, look what it says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is there, 
and the love of God, see this, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. You see the way he goes? He makes it up right here. Now, go to Romans chapter 5, verse 5. We see the same thing here. Look what it says here in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see again? Again, you, he plays on words here. He, he brings them all in because he believes in the Trinity. And we do. I believe you believe in the Trinity because I do. So either way, Paul is appealing to our experience of God's love for us in Christ. So as Christians, do you have any comfort of knowing that God loves you? I do. That He sends the Lord's Son to die for you, John 3.16. That He has adopted you as His own child, uh, 1 John chapter 1, I'm sorry, John 1.12 and 17.23. That He, he who uh, did not spare His Son, but give, give us to, him, to us all. That we can have salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, and once again, the answer is yes, a thousand times, isn't it? This is experience for anyone who has come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we have the comfort in our lives that God loves us. Listen, I have no doubt, never have doubt that God doesn't love me. I lay my, my head in, the, in my pillow at night. I know that God loves me. And we should be that as Christians. God loves me. This I know. Because the Bible tells me so. What a beautiful song. We sing this Sunday school, right? Uh, kids, we should sing this as adults too. You know, it's a good song. You know? So, but anyway. Did I give you the letter C? The, letter C? the if. Yeah, if any fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The, in verse 1. So Paul keeps going with the ifs here. That word fellowship is a wonderful word right here. And in, in a Greek word, it kind of gives you a sense of partnership, of sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is the same word we, can, we, can, we saw back in chapter 1 when Paul first spoke about being partners in the gospel. And once again, Paul is appealing to our Christian experience here. So as Christians, we all share uh, together the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have all experienced this wonderful fellowship with the Spirit. Listen, this Spirit doesn't come and go as a force. You know, somebody that teach you that, they're mistaken. You know, like, may the force be with you. Listen, it only is Star Wars, okay? You know, when you get saved, you get saved. The Spirit of God comes in you and dwells in you. And when you die, the Spirit of God will take your spirit to the presence of the Lord. That's what it is. But this thing about, you know, these denominations out there that say, oh, the Spirit of God is moving in. No, the Spirit of God is in you. Alright? So, let's go down here a little bit. That's the letter C. And the letter D here is, that's the last if that Paul mentions here, the if of tenderness and compassion. Look what it says, any bows and mercies. See, these two words are primarily using the scripture of, of God's love for us right here. So God loves us with a tender compassion as a father loves his children. Now, as a godly father loves his children. Let me tell you that because a lot of people out there, a lot of men out there don't deserve to be called fathers. All right? I'm talking about a godly father. That's the comparison right here. Look what actually it says in Psalm 103 verse 13. It says, like a father pitted his children, so the Lord pitted them that fear him. And someone in verse 14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembered that we are dust. What, so what is Paul saying here? He's saying that our experience of God's love should affect our relationship with others. 
True Christian fellowship is motivated by God's love in Christ. Number two, let's go to our second point. Real Christian fellowship is united around the gospel. You can say, Pastor, look at verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, look what he says, and, be, and ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of, this, of the one accord in one mind. You see what it says right here? So Christian fellowship is united around the gospel. Let me ask you this question tonight. Why are we healed tonight? Because we love the Lord, right? Again, why are we here tonight here? Because you got saved. You follow, you follow that? We have the same mind. We know the God that we serve, and we want to worship Him together. Amen. That's what it is. Well, what brings us here? Jesus. Otherwise, if it was not for Jesus, you probably would never met me before. Right. I would probably never even know you before. That's, see, our fellowship in the gospel is literally is Jesus. He is the center of the whole thing. Because otherwise... John, I probably have never seen you in my life. Brother Tom, forget it. You know, Chrissy, forget it. Anyone here, I can mention all the names here. I'll tell you what, it will never happen. You know why? Because real fellowship comes through the gospel. We got saved, the Lord plants us in that church, and we meet people, and we fellowship with each other, and we worship together. That's Christian fellowship. All right, so. So Paul is already full of joy here, and as he prays for the Philippians... Uh, and the gospel is preaching Rome, but now he asked the Philippians to make his joy complete, to fill his cup with joy to, to the brim right here, by uniting, by, by them, he united around the gospel of Christ, and he does this by asking them three things here. Look what he says here in this verse, be like-minded, verse, uh, letter A. Uh, see, be like-minded, the phrase literally means to set your mind on the same thing. What is the same thing Paul wants us to focus on? Paul has called the Philippians uh, 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 and be partners together or to, to press them together in the gospel. Paul is in chains for the gospel. And Paul says, this is what's going to keep you going, is having the same mind and one goal. The goal is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what a church should be? A lighthouse, a beacon of light to the world. But you know what? If there's no unity on that, that light mm, gets dim. It gets just, mm, got to be unity of mind and heart there. So, Paul was called the Philippian church to do this. So, Paul, uh, Paul rejoices that the gospel is preached. And Paul has called all the Philippians to live their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. So, Paul is encouraging them to be like-minded, to be united in their thinking, to think the same thing when it comes to, to life's ultimate priority. So he's calling them to unite around the gospel. Let me ask you this question here tonight. And you don't have to answer out loud, but just keep it in your heart. What is your first, what is your first priority in life? What do you strive to do the most? I mean, we have a lot of dreams and goals in life, don't we? I have mine. I believe you have yours. But was ultimately, what is your primary goal in life? What do you, 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 you strive the most to do? I can give you mine. Yeah, mine is to love for the Lord, live for the Lord. That's mine. Don't matter what he does, where he takes me, you know, no matter what place, I don't, don't matter, is I will serve my Lord until he takes me home. So, be like, he said, be like-minded. So, when God plants us, puts us in a certain place, we have to be like-minded. Let me put it this way. All right, when your body hurts, you don't feel good. 
So your body is not in totally at the same tune with each other because maybe your leg hurt. Your leg hurt, so you can't do some things because this piece right here is not cooperating with the rest of it. You follow that? So even in, in Ephesians, uh, uh, Paul compares us to that body of that human body. It's the same thing here. We function all together. What do you got to be? We have to be the same minds. So let it be. To have the same love. Look what says there. Having the same love right here. The Christian community is a loving community. It should be that way. You cannot have Christian fellowship without love. Alright? You cannot have that. And each person in the body of Christ should have the same love for each other. Alright? We have to love one another. Alright? We might agree to disagree, but in the end we love each other. That's the way it is. Don't tell me that in your home you, you agree and disagree, right? We do that. In a workplace, we agree and disagree. But in the house of God, when we have the same Savior, the same Lord, we agree and disagree, but we love each other. It's got to be, everything has got to be done with love for one another. So, never with hate, but love so, for each other. So, fellowship is now one way straight, folks. It is, there is a, a, that is a back, back and forth, uh, there is a, is a, but our fellowship is now, I'm sorry, one way straight and it's two way straight. It's like, it goes like this. That's fellowship. All right? You cannot fellowship by yourself. You have to fellowship. Well, that's just why it's called fellowship. All right? So without going, oh, Barney, the dinosaur on us, I love you and you love me, and we are a happy family, that's not the way it is. It goes both ways, right? It goes both ways. You know, you know, if you ever watch the Barney Dinosaur, I'm going to try to promote the Barney Dinosaur here, but that's the song. You love me, I love you, we are happy. You know, we can go with this, but it's not about Barney. It's about a together. That's how it is. So we have to have the same love for each other as God has for us. Let me repeat this. We have to, ha- we have, to have the same love for each other as God has for us. Wow, that is deep. How much God loves you? How much God loves you? And God says, you love each other the way. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is deep right there, let me tell you. I thank God that we have such a... A loving body here, and I believe we can forgive each other, and we can live, we can live together in this unity right here, and have the same mind, and have a bright light shining to this world, to this community. I believe that. Amen. So let us see. So being in one spirit, uh, one in spirit and purpose. Look at verse two. Being of one accord, of one mind. So this last phrase brings out the idea of a common goal once again. Uh, being in one spirit and purpose refers to being united as one soul, one person, one common task. We see, all right, so is, is what unity of heart is this. Okay, we have an outreach. Oh, pastor, you can do it. Oh, you can do it. Oh, you can do it. Everybody participates. You say, how you do that? Some pray, some work, some go. He said, I can't go because physically I can't get there. But I will pray. Don't you think that's an encouragement? That's unity of mind. We gotta, listen, I'm praying for you. You're going out there that the Lord will protect you. You know what? That's unity of mind. I go there to the church. How I help pack those things. The other person goes, oh, we will go out. You see, the body is working together for the same common goal. 
That's a united body. We have food pantry here on Saturdays. What do we do? Some working, some going in the back, some put the food in, some go driving, some stay there for fellowship. What are we doing? The same mind of Christ, and some are praying at home. That's what the mind of Christ, that's true Christian fellowship there. Okay? So being in of one month, spirit and purpose. So that's what the Bible says right here. So, so we saw in uh, chapter 1, verse 27, how he faced outside persecution. Paul did. Paul urges the Philippians to stand strong as one against opposition. Now, in the face of inner divisions, he encouraged us to stand strong as one, united among a common goal uh, on, and purpose. Let me tell you this. One thing that, if you pray for your church, is one thing that you should always do. Lord, put a hedge of protection around our church that Satan would not divide us. Amen. That's one thing that, I mean, I, you know, I, I pray for my boys, and they don't know, but one is here, but anyway, it goes out. You know, I pray for my boys every day. Lord, put a, a hedge of protection around my boys in the workplace that there will be a testimony of you to the, those who are lost. But protect them against evildoers. And so, I do this almost every day. I mean, he just found out because he didn't even know I do that. But I do. You know, I'm like Job. I pray for my kids. And I know you do too. I know you do too. You know, we as parents, we pray for our kids. And you know what? How much we pray every day. Every day we pray for them. They need our prayers. You know what? We need to pray for one another. Amen. By name. Amen you know, I pray for all of you every day. By name. Amen. I do. Amen. I do because not because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this to you. It's because I love you enough to tell you that. I pray for you every day. Some of you, sometimes I know the things that go on. I pray specifically. Sometimes it's just I don't know what's going on. So I just, but I bring your name before the Lord. And on Wednesday night, you know, here, if you pray with me, you know, I mention every person's name in the church. And I ask the Lord, forgive me when I forget somebody's name. Right. You know, and it, you know, because, you know why? It's the unity of mind. We have one purpose, being of one accord, of one mind. We have to do that. You know, you have to pray. Pray for your church this way. Lord, put a hand of protection around our church that Satan doesn't come in and cause divisions in our church. Amen. And he can, let me tell you, he will. He will. Number three, real Christian fellowship is seen in the, in the way we serve each other. We have seen the real Christian fellowship is motivated by God's love. Real Christian fellowship is united around the gospel. And now real Christian fellowship is seen in the way we serve each other. Paul gave us three instructions here. Letter A, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through strive or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each other esteem uh, other better than themselves. You follow that? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Him. It is about others. That's why the Lord says it's better to give than to receive, because we receive more joy than to give, than to receive. So Now, selfish ambition was exactly the problem Paul addressed back in chapter 1 about those who were preaching Christ from false motives. And, and let me tell you folks, many people is doing that today. They're preaching Christ with false motives. Many are filling their pockets with the name of the Lord. And someday they got to face their maker. I dare not preach anything out of the Bible. Preach the word of God and let God do His work. But let me tell you this. Look what it says in Philippians 1.15. 1, it says, Some indeed preach Christ 
even out of envy and strife, and some also of good of goodwill. The, uh, the one who preached Christ of contention is not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bounds. See, Paul was being persecuted because of that. So if any was wrong for Christian, for the Christians who were stirring up troubles for Paul in Rome, then it is wrong for the Christian at the church of Philippi as well. And it is wrong for us to do the same thing here in our church. There's no room for competition, for, for rivalry amongst Christian uh, uh, fellowship. There's no right. Not me. I'm better than you. You're better than me. I'm more talented than you. No, no, no. We all do this thing together for the sake of the Lord. Listen, I don't look down at you if you don't want to clean the bathroom. I don't look down at you if you do vacuum in the carpet. I don't look down at you if you uh, teach in Sunday school. We all do it for the good of the body. My little toe is not more important than my big toe. My big toe is not more important than my finger. You know, you know what? It is not. You know, we all do for the sake of the Lord. Listen, everyone is important. And if we look at this this way, we will be stronger together as the children of God in the house of God. So we have to understand that anything we do, it is important. And anything you do is for to be either not for, for self-glory, but for the glory of the Lord. So folks, we serve the name of Jesus, don't we? We are, this, we are on the same team. There is no, no one better than other. There is, there is and should never be self-motives here. God takes the glory for all that we do. You might be able to do something that I cannot do. And some of you do. I might be able to do some things that you cannot do. But all, of, all must be done with a humble heart, humble attitude as unto the Lord. Listen, I, I you know what? When Ray is not here, I say, where's Ray? <laughs> I say, where's Ray? You know why? Because he does such a good job in what he does, and he's very particular. Nice. I tell you why. Talking, talking, about, talking about like love for what he does, he does it with love. It blesses my heart. So, and, and then Paul speaks about vain conceit right here. The word literally means empty glory. Anything we try to take glory for ourselves instead of serving others, it is an empty glory. A Christian life is a life of service, not a life of taking personal glory. Listen, uh, you know, if we take glory, say, wow, you played a good, a good song, or you sing a good song, or you did this, and you go, oh, yeah, thank you, you know. That's taking glory for yourself. You know, you just say, praise the Lord, humbly. That's what we do. So keep in mind that the Christian life, there is no competition. There is no super Christian there is no one better than another. We all together serving what? The Lord with the humble heart. Ironically, um, what do I wrote here? Oh, I go back. To, let's go to letter B. Consider others better than yourself. Look what it says there. Let nothing be done through strive of vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each other esteem other better than themselves. So in humility, consider others better than yourself. Rather than selfish ambition or vain conceit, we should practice humility and consider others better than ourselves. The words esteem here does not mean bad in the sense of more valuable or the, another person who is more valuable than you and you less valuable. It's not what it means. It means in the sense of more, uh, of more important putting the, the needs of others above our own. As someone once said, love begins when someone else's needs are more important than my own needs. Let me put it this way. It's not what God did. He humbled himself. And he came as what? A servant. And he came to serve us. 
And it's amazing what he did. He showed us. Why you think the Lord just allowed to did he went and washed the disciples' feet? Because there was contentions among them. They're coming to the Lord and telling him, well, what position am I going to have in the kingdom? What opposition? The Lord says, I'm going to show you what you got to do. Get your feet out. I'm going to wash your feet. Now think about the leader, the master, the teacher was washing the disciples' feet. What Peter said? Now my feet. And Lord said, if, you, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. So the Lord is giving him a tremendous lesson right there. And all of them, you know what? You, you're not better than the other one. The other one is not better than you. You have to have a servant's heart. And that's the way the church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be. We ought to have a servant's heart always. Amen. And that's how God gets the glory. By us having that servant's heart, that humble attitude. I'm not better than you, not better. Listen, I tell you what. I like the way this altar right here is just one step. Because I don't want you to feel that I am out there, like in this big altar right there. No, I want to be as a common man, because that's who I am. I'm just a servant of the Lord as you are. Amen. Just because I'm preaching doesn't mean I'm better than you. Please never consider me that way, because that's not the way I think. So consider others better than yourself. Let us see. Look to the interests of others, not just yourself. Look at verse 4. Look not every man, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So the word look means to contemplate, to gaze on, to focus on. What are we, uh, what we are, uh, what are you focused, I'm sorry, what are you focused on in life? Your, your own needs or the needs of others? And believe me, I look at you here and I know your hearts. I know your heart. I see the, 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 what you like to do. What you, you always go out of your way to accommodate others. I see your efforts, and I praise the Lord for you. What a blessing to see that, to see the humbleness of God's people. What is that such a wonderful blessing? So, your own needs you put aside for the needs of others. In, the true, in true Christian fellowship, each person puts the needs of others above their own needs. That doesn't mean you neglect yourself. Don't get me wrong right here. Or your own needs, but you look to see how best you can serve others around you. Right. You follow that? It's not like, you know, oh, what about me? What about me? No, don't come to a point, what about me? Because I'm always doing something. You've got to look at yourself too. But you look around when somebody is in need and you go out of your way and say, hey, brother, I, you need help. I want to help you. Amen. You know, don't be like this. I'll be praying for you. That is tremendously so wrong. Pray for them, but do something about it. All right? So, look what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Once again, your attitude should be the same as Christ, who did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So, in fact, that, that's what the very next passage in Philippians will be about actually starts with the phrase, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, and that's verse 5. So in real Christian fellowship, we humble, humbly serve each other as, as we model our Savior. Okay, we have in fellowship next Sunday. You can say, oh, oh, fellow, it's a wonderful thing. What are we doing? We have the same mind loving one another having that time together it is a wonderful thing so there's something that is missing in the local church and that is a real honest christian fellowship the local church was not made for us to have little groups here and there 
never. The local church is, is, was made for a place, the whole body of Christ to be together. And believe me, folks, I've seen little groups in churches. That is disgusting and sad. I've seen that. This little group is over there. This little group is over there. This little group is over there. And the little church, the church is about groups. That's not the way God designed His church to be. God designed His church to be and everyone together. I tell you what, I don't know about this as new things about groups meeting here and there. I do not like that. You say why? Because the body of Christ is to meet together. Together. Now a group here and a group there. So the arm meets over there. The other arm meets over there. The leg meets over there. The toe meets over there. The head meets over there. And it's dysfunctional. Let's go be, be, be biblical here tonight. It's dysfunctional. I know there's groups out there. I do not like it. You know, I asked somebody, actually, a person that would go to those groups or went to those groups and told me, if they did to me, a person, nothing more than my own daughter, said, it's a lot of gossip going on in those places. Yeah. And she all stopped going all together. You know what? The body needs to meet together. That's what we need to do. So, and Paul right here is encouraging the Philippian church, and this man is in jail to be together, to have that thing. So, let's conclude this tonight. So, I hope you saw the common element of three principles of the Christian fellowship tonight here. Real Christian fellowship is motivated by God's love. Real Christian fellowship is united around the gospel. And real Christian fellowship is seen in the way we serve each other. That's real Christian fellowship. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, for this message tonight. Lord, I need to